Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 145 for May 22nd, 2008, Secunia PSI. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by audible.com. For your free audiobook and a whole lot more, visit audiblepodcasts.com slash security now. And by listeners like you. Thanks for your donations. It's time for Security Now with Steve Gibson. We are going to talk about protecting your butts. That's what Steve's expert at. He's a guy. <laughs> PYB. PYB. Protect your butt. He, uh, he is the guy who created or coined the term spyware when he first discovered it on his system way back when. Wrote the first anti-spyware program and has uh, handed it off since to many other folks. And But that was just the beginning of many, many free security programs he's created, including the very famous Shields Up. Of course, his bread and butter is the world's best disk recovery and maintenance utility spin right. Steve Gibson, hi. Hey, Leo, great to be back with you for episode 145. You're beating Twit now. 145. We'll do 145 this Sunday on Twit, so you're two days ahead. Ah, very <laughs> Congratulations. Having started much far behind, we're, uh, we're making good progress. It's those so. lazy Twit guys. Yeah. So we're gonna, uh, today we're going to talk about a way to protect your system, your PC, right? Well, yes. It's, uh, I don't know if I'd describe it that way. I would say it's a... It's, from my experience, a an absolute must-try utility. It's free, which it, it's being published and offered by a, a well-known um, security group who I've known for I've known of for years. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a it's a scan of all the software that you've got installed for known security vulnerabilities. So it's I mean I think of it as the next thing we need for our Windows machines after we've got Microsoft Update and or Windows Update, Microsoft Update being sort of the more more comprehensive of those tools, you know, that that keeps Windows current. Mm-hmm. This thing does its job for everything else. And I mean, it on every single machine I have, even well maintained machines, there isn't one where it didn't show me I had a couple of applications with known vulnerabilities. Really? Yep. Well, I, I wish they made this for web servers, because <laughs> I uh, had a little problem yesterday with hacking. And, oh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I think I had, uh, I had a disgruntled user on our twit, uh, private Twit forums uh, who I had to ban. He was just uh, horribly offensive, and I banned him. And uh, about an hour later, uh, a SQL injection attack and all the data had been overwritten by a hacking, uh, you know, hacker tag. Oof. And then he did the same thing to another website on the same SQL server. So I have to figure out where that vulnerability lies. I don't think it's in the forum software because it also happened to WordPress. Uh, I think there's some vulnerability into my uh, SQL server. Ouch. 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 So uh, I'm embarrassed to admit that that happened. In fact, I, don't, I haven't really admitted it anywhere else because I don't want to give him any pub- publicity, of course. 
But uh, since this is a security podcast, he probably doesn't listen to it. Most most script kiddies don't. I would imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it, you know, I, th- I think it really is a, a it's a it's a scripting. Uh, you know, I I could tell it was a kit attack. You know, something he downloaded from the internet. But I now have to go figure out what's wrong with MySQL. Yeah, there are now bot nets which are specializing in SQL injection attacks of websites because this is just it's a it's a huge problem that there I mean basically web servers are now the 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 prime target for these kinds of attacks like like for for the you know it's where we are in the first half of 08 and this is going to be the SQL server injection attack problem I mean the 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 number of of hits on servers that are that are that are attempted to be compromised has gone way up in yeah. the last few months. Yeah. It's too bad, but uh and so we need I guess I probably there are programs like that uh, program you're going to talk about in just a little bit that uh, will do that for uh, web servers. If anybody finds one, let me know. <laughs> I'd love to run an automated program that says, "Oh, here's hole number 1, hole number 2, hole number 3 and so forth." Are any big security stories out there you want to cover before we get to uh Oh, I've got a bunch of stuff, as always. Okay. Um, I did want to mention that uh, we we talked last week about the what was for us new discovery of PayPal's one-time use credit card, which I've now used like eight times. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, well, I mean, okay, I I love it with reservations. First of all, um, there the good news is there is a Firefox plugin in addition to an IE plugin. Oh, cool. And they both behave themselves very well. I've been impressed when I've gone to an e-commerce site and and gotten to the page that wants the information. The plugin is watching my pages. It recognizes, ah, here's the shipping address. Here's the billing mm-hmm. address. Here's the credit card information. And it populates all the fields for me, including populating the field for the one-time use credit card. Oh, see, I haven't, um, I haven't, I didn't know that. I've been going to the PayPal page and getting that information and cutting and pasting and everything. And that's why I wanted to make sure you and our listeners who use Firefox yeah. knew that, that this is available for Firefox as well. It's not currently compatible with the uh, version, the Firefox version 3 beta. Right. I would imagine they'll be fixing that or, they'll, you know, one way or another, that'll get resolved, of course. Right. But right. it runs on Firefox 2, and um, it's very convenient. I mean, it's way more convenient to use the plug-in than it is to have to go over to PayPal all the time and and do that go through that manually you do have to authenticate yourself so i've got my little football my paypal football not far from me right and you know log in give them a football number and then you they sort of run a fun little animated you know like breaking the code sort of thing as they as they invent a credit card number i also like the fact that the expiration that it chooses is always next month and there was something i signed up well for. it's always next month unless you pick the uh the recurring the multi-use one right yes. and then it's yes, then it's yes. 2010 i think yes yeah. uh, there was something that i wanted to subscribe to that was that sort of had this annoying well we'll you know unless you remember to cancel your subscription we'll just automatically bill this card right you know every period no. and I'm, I'm thinking ah <laughs> no you won't baby because yeah. this card is good once but anyway i did um, find so- i did find one little issue on amazon.com if you purchase something from a third party, you can't use the card for Amazon because it, it's the third party is the one using it. And oh, I think yes. that that was what happened. I'm not sure, but I got 
every time I've used a third party, it's been rejected. So, and it, I've never had a rejection. So, yeah. Hmm. What is? Have you always bought on Amazon direct from Amazon, or are you buying from third yeah. parties? Oh, yeah. A- Amazon loves me. The first couple of years of Amazon, I was getting Christmas presents. Oh, me them. too. But I, sometimes now, when I buy on Amazon, it's through Amazon, but it's not Amazon. It's another company. Yes. And uh, yep. and uh, now it may be that there was something else going on. For instance, my PayPal has a fairly low limit, so it may be that they just prevented it because it went over the limit. I'm not sure. Now, my standard annoyance with PayPal does apply. This is something we've talked about before. It, I don't want them pulling from my checking account. I don't, right. I don't like that. I want them pulling from my registered credit card. Right. And so, and we've talked about how when I'm purchasing from PayPal, every single time I, because there's no way to change that preference, you've got to go in and manually override PayPal's default of pulling from your registered checking account. Well, uh, using this one-time use credit card, there is no way to do that. Oh. You, have no, you have no option. And so I'm going to have to say to Sue, who, who keeps track of my, my checking account stuff, I'm going to say, okay, Sue, now there's going to be some little weird things happening here. Mm. Um, I hope that doesn't throw off her balancing my, you know, my books at the end That's of the month. That's too bad. Yeah. It really is annoying. So, yeah, because there's really no interface to say anything about it. It just gives you the card number. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And they and they and oh, you you can create an outstanding balance with them. So I guess I could I could move a block of money in, keep a balance with PayPal, and then they would pull from that, which may be what I do. I mean, I really do like the idea of using one use credit cards, and of course, why the idea is of course spreading around the industry slowly. And as I as I mentioned last week, there are credit. I think most credit card issuers will do it. It's just not as easy. It's more difficult to find. It's it's almost as if they don't want to. None of mine do, so oh, I really? don't, have, okay. don't have a choice at this point. Um, I wanted to also mention, we talked about last week the, um, how the extended validation display, the green window, the URL window, which is supported in IE7. We talked about how it is disabled when you disable the phishing filter right. and how annoying I found that and, and, and superfluous and without any reason. Uh, the IE8 beta does not have that behavior. So the good news is even if you do disable phishing in IE8, which they call the safety filter, right. um, sort of more generic, I guess, um, you do keep the uh, extended validation display enabled. So at the point that we begin to move over to IE8, we'll get the it's extended validation display regardless. I also screwed up last week telling everyone that last weekend – was the weekend of the Andromeda Strain miniseries. Wasn't it? No. Oh. That's the, that's the good news for those of you who... You, <laughs> you know, didn't miss it? <laughs> forgot. You did not miss it. Okay. It's actually it's on Memorial Day itself, meaning it's next Monday, May 26th. I've got my date straight this time. I checked three times. TiVos all know about it. <laughs> A&E's website agrees with me. I said, okay, I'm going to get this right. So it's, <laughs> it's two hours on Monday the 26th, and the concluding two hours the following night on Tuesday the 27th. So it's going to be a four-hour event uh, by the Scott brothers, Ridley and Tony, um, who have produced this. And again, the, the trailers and previews really look good. So, and, and there was one, I, I mentioned also that the DVD would be released next month. Some, some person who had never seen it was already bad-mouthing it as a, a, a review on Amazon saying that it completely destroyed, you know, the wonderful classic from 1970, the original one. It's like, okay, yes. I mean, that was a great movie. I've seen it many times. That was Dustin Hoffman in that, right? Uh, or was that Outbreak? 
That was Outbreak, which I really like, too. I've seen that a number of times, yeah. too. I really like Outbreak. Who uh, was in Andro- and- I remember Andromeda Strain very well, but I confused the book and the movie, because the, the book's so visual, you almost think you're seeing it. it. And again, I have no problem with there being another one. It doesn't, in my mind, destroy the old oh. one. I mean, I can still watch that if I want to, but here's this just really looks like it's going to be, you know, good, fun remake. Um, and on the topic of sci-fi, <sighs> Oh, Peter no. Hamilton has started another trilogy. <laughs> I am still stuck in the middle of Night's Dawn. It is the longest book I've ever read. It's on my Kindle, thank goodness, or I'd be carrying 80 pounds of books around. I love it, but I keep looking down at, you know, the, the Kindle shows little dots as you're progressing through the book, and they're not moving very fast. Oh, no, they're not going to move much. I, was, I, was, I had some time to kill uh, Friday afternoon, actually before seeing Iron Man for the second time, which I really liked again. It's you just saw it again. A, wow. A wonderful movie. Um, and so I was just browsing through Barnes and Noble and the sci-fi section of paperback land. You know, it's very familiar territory for me. It's becoming less more so now that I moved over to eBooks, but you know, sticking out on the bookshelf of paperbacks was this huge, I mean, it looked like a dictionary. And it, it was it was titled uh, it had it had Peter F. Hamilton's name on it, and it was titled The Dreaming Void. And I'm and I'm thinking, oh, well, this is new. And so it was twenty nine ninety nine. Okay. Um, at Barnes and Noble. Okay. It was nine ninety nine. Wow. On Kindle. Wow. And it, and then I you know it it set. In the way in the future, 3589 is the year where this thing is set. So it's 1,500 years beyond where we were with um, the whole prime drama, um, uh, uh, Pandora, Star, and and Judas Unchained. Oh, so this might really be the third of that. No, no, no. It's not. This is its own standalone trilogy. What's weird is there are some characters that have been brought over from from Pandora and Judas, so you probably need to read those first um, in order to 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 get into this. But frankly, I mean, Leo, I feel a little bit the way you do. I mean, from from what I've read online, various reviews, it sounds like this is another monster, huge, <laughs> deep character development, lots of threads running in parallel. Um, I mean, you know, it's another one of these big Hamilton projects, and. I don't have the strength for it right now. Yeah, I know what you I know what you mean. I mean, but it's nice to have it in abeyance, isn't it? It is nice <laughs> to know that it's there. I'm actually finishing up the third of Robert McCollum's Antares trilogy, which I'm rereading, um, just because it's just such a fun, simple, you know, light space opera. Yeah. So yeah, I loved that. That that was a wonderful book. And and in a bizarre a bizarre thing that we've never done before. I have a wedding anniversary wi- uh, wish, uh, wanting to wish uh, a married couple who listen to our show a happy wedding anniversary. Um, they'll be their anniversary occurs before our next week's podcast will air. That mm-hmm. is, their anniversary is May twenty second. Mm-hmm. And as Sven Thomas asked me if he would, uh, uh, if I would just wish them he and his wife a happy wedding anniversary. They've, they've been listening to Security now. Since the beginning, they love the show, and so happy anniversary uh, to Sven and his wife. You say they, so you think she's into this too, huh? He says, Steve, my wife and I have been listening to Security Now since episode one, and have greatly enjoyed listening to you and Leo talk about everything from turning worms 
to your run-in with boss and the many discussions on network security, blah, blah, blah. And That's great. they're using an Astaro gateway. Well, they must be a geek couple. That's good. Yeah. I like that. And he didn't say which anniversary it is, but I wish them many more. Very happy, uh, many returns of the day and happy congratulations. Hey, before we go on and uh, about talking about this great security tool you've got here, and, uh, and I'm really interested in hearing about it, I do want to mention, as long as we're talking about books, our sponsor, audible.com. We do have uh, a free book for you if you're not already an Audible member and you're in the U.S. You can just go to audiblepodcast.com slash security now. And you can choose from 45,000 titles. If you're already an Audible member, go to the site because they're having a half price off sale right now and for one week only. Um, I was just checking. They have a huge collection of Michael Crichton books, including Andromeda Strains. I want to make that my pick. If you're going to watch Andromeda Strain this weekend, read the book first. I always like reading the book before I see the movie, right? So if you, if you, if you don't know the story, it's got lots of, it's got a really, some great twists in it. So you're, you know, it's really a mystery. It's a, it's a medical mystery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, I would suggest reading the book first because it's so well done. Uh, there's a great version of it uh, online at audible.com. You could sign up at audiblepodcastcom security now and have this book within a minute or two. Downloaded it, put it on your computer, put it on CDs if you want, so you can listen in the car. You could put it on almost any audio device. I just heard from Microsoft that they're going to be putting it on the Zune. Audible will be on the Zune soon. It's already on the Kindle, every iPod, including the iPhone, the Sansas, the Zans, all, almost all the devices, which means you take your books with you. And if you've got a long book or a lot of books you like to carry with you, it's so compact to put it on a portable player and listen wherever you go. I listen at the gym. I listen while I'm walking to work. I don't have much of a commute anymore. Hallelujah. But boy, when I did, it was a lifesaver. Please check out The Andromeda Strain or any of the other many great books. Lots of science fiction on there now at audiblepodcast.com slash security now. We thank them so much for their support of security now. So uh, if yeah, I might, I'm thinking of downloading it just and reading it again because I haven't heard it in so long or read it in so long. So uh, do you have any errata or addenda you want to uh, do from last week? Well, uh, two little things. Um, I wanted to mention over in the security news side, nothing really has happened in the, in the last week security-wise. Although what, what, what's funny is every one of my XP machines has insisted on having uh, Service Pack 3 installed, even when they are fully patched. So, so what was happening for me was there was the second Tuesday of the month where we talked about a substantial set of updates. Remember, there, there was Office and something in the JET database both mm-hmm. needed to get fixed. Yeah, I remember so, that. So it was a, a big, important cycle for, for updates. So even when you're completely current, you still have to do the whole service pack three. Now, they're saying online that there's like a – the way it happens is you update your Windows Genuine Advantage um, tool and then it comes up and bugs you again about your settings for for automatic um, updates, um, which I mine are set to download them but notify me and not install them. So I can choose when I want to do that because almost always you've got to reboot your system, and I don't always want to. You know, I've got so many things going at once. It's like okay, I don't want to a forced reboot right now. So right. I'd like to have that control. <laughs> well, but, the first thing I asked you when you tell me about the security program is, do I have to reboot? I hate rebooting. That, yeah, it is. It's it's yeah. inconvenient. Um so so once that ru- once the update for genuine advantage happens, then you get sort of a special screen that's promoting 
the use of Service Pack 3. Now, they say it's a 66 meg download, yet Service Pack 3 is huge. It's uh, 300 and some odd, 324 wow. meg. And so wow. for me, it's like, oh, I've got it on. I've got it on a bunch of thumb drives around here. So I just go and say, okay, fine. I'll take care of that myself. But I don't know what happens if you push past that and, and effectively refuse to download Service Pack uh, 3, but it's probably a good thing to do. Again, my theory is that Microsoft is now testing everything against fully patched, you know, current machines you you know people who run into trouble sometimes do because they're not keeping themselves current right and so i think it's just like okay I've, I've given up this idea of selectively installing these things it's like ah eh, no just come on go ahead and do it well you know you're downloading the the network or the, or the it install which is the full install you could all i mean i think if you do windows update it's smarter about that it wouldn't necessarily do that all of that stuff right? ah that is very that's a very good point yeah. yes so you're getting when you do the the IT install the full install that you can put on a CD. It's going to give you everything because it's not making any assumptions about what you've done already or not. I imagine. I mean, I remember Service Pack Two was two hundred seventy three megabytes. I think so. It's Service Pack Three would probably include everything in Service Packs One and Two as well, right? Uh, well, it does need be to be. In, it needs to be installed after Service Pack oh, okay. One or Service Pack Two. Oh, okay. So it, it, it has that as a requirement. So there's there's some stuff that it makes that it assumes you're going to have. You know, it's probably the the few things that didn't change right. between between then and now. Right. So oh, that's interesting. Okay, because yeah, in the past service packs included was basically a roll up of everything. Right. So now they they want you to have SP two installed first. Yes, and, and you know, of course, many XP systems are XP with service pack two. That is, they right. you know, as you get them, they've already got right. the service pack two. Um, roll up essentially, you know, pre-installed in them, sort of merged in. So, and in my case, it makes sense for me to download the full network install and stick it on some thumb drives because I've got so many machines around here that otherwise I'd just be redundantly downloading, you know, the smaller one multiple times. So <laughs> it, it does make more sense just to do it once, yeah. and then you end up with a much faster, uh, a much faster setup each time because you're not sitting around, you know, while it re-downloads it again. So, and I did have. Uh, this time is a little bit of a twist, a different twist, a an interesting spinrite story because this one's subject was my first spinrite failure. My f- what? You're going to tell people how spinrite didn't work? Indeed, Steve. This is Matt Clipper who wrote from Phoenix, Arizona, a Security Now listener, and he said, "Hi, Steve. I've been a spinrite customer since March '06 and a fan of yours since first seeing you on the screensavers many years ago." All right. That, of course, was, you know, your show, Leah, many yeah, years ago. Yeah, that was the click of death, I think you were talking about, for the was drives. What, yep, yep, yep. Uh, he said, I've also been a listener of Security Now since episode one. I'm not an IT professional, but all my family and friends apparently think I am. <laughs> I actually have a mechanical engineering background, but I've always been into computers and technology. Ever since my grandfather bought an 8088 IBM clone when I was about 10 years old, even at that time, I was the only one who could figure out how to do anything with the computer, <laughs> especially that machine, you know, an 8088 with a, with a couple floppies in it. Anyway, he says, he's so always says, anyway, I've used Spinrite dozens of times to recover hard drives of my own and my friends and families. However, I've come across my first hard drive that I haven't been able to recover with Spinrite, and I was hoping you might be able to offer some advice. My sister 
has a Barracuda 7200 RPM model blankety blank, whatever, hard drive that has failed. The only thing that's really on it that she wants to recover are all the digital photos of her son that she's taken over the years. Mm. She sent the hard drive to me, and I installed it in one of my PCs. At first, it wouldn't even be detected by the BIOS or spin up, for that matter. I tried a few tricks, such as freezing the hard drive and tapping it with a rubber mallet to loosen any stiction that might have built up. I was finally able to get it to... (laughs) You know, we should mention that that's an approved procedure, right? Oh, absolutely. I've done it myself. Yeah. Freezing the, well, I, well, you don't want to freeze the hard drive. You want to, but, but putting it in a refrigerator to cool it off. Right. It's some, I mean, it just changing the temperature of the drive can sometimes really help in like real end of life situations. So this and, guy, and stiction you know, is where the, where the head has kind of somehow gotten adhered to the surface of the platter. It's well, yes, because it, 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 it's caused because, you know, the head is incredibly smooth. The platter's right. incredibly smooth. You get actually a level of molecular bonding wow. where where those two surfaces they become so tightly connected that the the that the the platter is unable to get itself started because the the head has enough mechanical advantage that it'll just keep the 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 motor from being able to start the drive so you whack it with a with a mallet or a, I use a screwdriver and just to the jolt is enough sometimes to release the head yep yeah. yep now that's more of a historical problem. I'm surprised yeah. if a newer drive, but you know, it was if if he was a situation where the drive wasn't spinning up, that's certainly something I would try. Right. So he says I was finally able to get it to spin up and get the BIOS to recognize the drive, but couldn't get my system to read anything on it. At that point, I tried Spinrite, but it would only get a few squares into the data recovery before the hard drive would stop spinning again. He says, so I did some research and decided to buy a replacement logic card for the drive off eBay, thinking that it might have been the culprit. I mean, that's right. the next best thing you could do after all of this. And he says, I made sure it was for the same hard drive model, same firmware version, even the same manufacturing location, and approximately the same date of manufacture. I removed the old logic card, installed the replacement, and voila, no improvement whatsoever. So he says, I'm not one to give up easily, clearly, but based on your expert opinion, is there any hope left? Thanks in advance for any advice you might provide. So, no. <laughs> Matt, um, it's a dead done, drive. You have done everything humanly possible. You can cut out a chunk of this MP3 and, and email it to your sister who uh, who will know that you have gone beyond and above the call of duty, that there's, I mean, short of literally submitting this thing to a professional data recovery facility that unfortunately charges, you know, many thousands of dollars to to pull this thing apart. Um, I just can't think of anything that you could do, you know, w- within, within your own shop. Uh, you've done everything possible. Yeah, I mean, there. You know, I talk about this on the radio show all the time, where you have uh, soft errors, the kind that well, either an unerased tool or, or Spinrite can fix, depending on whether it's a file system level or if it's you know a sector level. Well, but then there's hard well, errors. There's yes, physical if, if, damage, if, if, and if, if not, yeah, software if, if is not going to fix physical damage. 
if the heads fall off the drive, <laughs> then there's there's just nothing. Or if it won't spin up, right. or if it spins down before you can get to the area that you want to recover. I mean, this drive sounds like it's in really bad shape. So yes, yeah, I, I, uh, sometimes I worry that when I, I talk about spin right, we, I love spin right so much. I want to make sure that people understand it, it fixes a category of problems, not all hard drive problems. Yes, it, I mean I'm I'm frankly surprised that Spinrite is able to do as much as it can. I mean, just as a piece of software, it performs miracles. But if if you don't have a drive there, if it really is a doorstop, then there's nothing any software could do to help you out. So right, right, it yeah. certainly does have limits. Well, and that and that's why there are people like drive savers who have clean rooms and guys in bunny suits, and they have every hard drive mechanism, all hard drive parts. And if a hard drive, if if you know the the bearings have frozen up and it can't spin. They can take it out, disassemble it in this clean room, replace the bearings, replace the platter, replace the motor, replace the head, whatever needs to be replaced. And that's why it costs thousands of dollars for people like that to get your data back. That's a yeah. whole nother. Uh, it's the next level. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and when, you're, when your data is that important, then, you know, I mean, if it's worth many thousands of dollars, then, and, you know, $89 spin right was unable to save the problem. And by the way, I should mention that we absolutely offer spin right with money back guarantee we don't have a demo and we've never been able to do a demo because unfortunately demoing it would solve the problem i mean it would <laughs> well there the are data. people and it drives me crazy you couldn't do this but it really drives me crazy some unerased programs do a quote demo where they say oh yes i could see all your files give me 500 bucks and it drives me crazy yeah you wouldn't yeah. do that i can't imagine you ever doing that and there are reasons technically you couldn't probably Know ahead well, of time whether you're going to be able to fix something. And Leo, we we give people their money back with no questions asked. So if That's somebody did use Spinrite and it did recover their data, and they want to go to the trouble of asking for their money back, I'm not going to say no. It's like okay, <laughs> fine, you know, you know uh, that I, I I don't regard that as a sale that I lost. It wasn't eighty nine dollars right. that got away from me, and. In the process, maybe this person will recommend Spinrite to somebody else. So and I bet it doesn't happen that much because, uh, uh, frankly, even if it doesn't solve your particular problem, it's so useful. You know, I got a frantic call Saturday right before the radio show from my uh, wife's great uh, uh, great aunt, Auntie Dawn. Actually, Aunt Auntie Dawn uh, saying, oh, Leo, she's in her 70s. Oh, Leo, there's pop-ups of, on my screen of bad stuff is popping up. I can't control it. And... And I called my ISP and I don't know what to do. And, you know, I feel, really feel there are a lot of people out there I feel for who just don't know. Uh, most users, I would guess, don't know what to do. Anyway, Andy Dawn is coming up and we're going to get it fixed for her. And, of course, one of the things I'll do is run Spinrite on it. And it's a case of, you know, maybe Spinrite isn't needed. Uh, but, you know, it's just a good thing to have. And well, if it is I... needed, you know, you're really glad you ran it. Yep. And, in fact, I told the story about the the taking the manager of CPK's laptop, uh, that was that crazy thing that had eighty six processes running in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it using up all the RAM it had just to get booted up, and yeah. that wouldn't do anything. And after I reinstalled XP from scratch, um, I I did give it a, a spin right pass. It took about two hours. I think it was an eighty gig drive. Maybe it was 60 gigs, but, mm -hmm. you know, it went through. I mean, it was just in beautiful shape afterwards. And so I was able to say to him, look, this is an old tank. I mean, it was a, a big, old, heavy Dell laptop that he'd bought refurbished three years ago. And, I mean, it was, it was a monster. But <laughs> the hard drive is in beautiful condition, which I now know 
thanks to giving a spin right pass. So yeah, it, it wasn't for data recovery. It was for, for, you know, the confidence of the drive's future. Prophylaxis. There you go. And I, are these, you know, that's, that's a very good reason to have own a copy of spin right. I'm very glad uh, I have one. Let's, uh, let's talk about Secunia. Secunia, yes. These are the guys that have produced something that I unequivocally, well, okay, one, one equivocation, almost unequivocally recommend. Some people are going to be a little put off by the fact that, but that this does phone home in order to check the signatures of their software with Secunia's database so that's the only caveat i have i don't i don't care i use it and i am really pleased with this thing what this does is it is a very lightweight scanner uh the downloadable executable is um 485k um it behaves itself very well i am very impressed with it these first of all these guys are an old world well, old world. They've only been around <laughs> since 2002, so, so they're they're, they're six years time. old. <laughs> well, in our industry and and in internet years, that's you know 200 years. Um, they they they've. they've they're, I'm very familiar with their name because I see their name coming up all the time on vulnerability reports. They they've got a a staff of people that look at that, that find independently find vulnerabilities in software, much like, you know, the guys at EI do and, you know, like McAfee and Symantec and, and all the other guys. Um, and, you know, so, so anyway, so I'm, so I'm seeing them talked about off, often, and I'm often at their website reading details of the vulnerabilities in specific software that, that I want to track down and, and understand better, often in order to talk about it here uh, on our podcast. Well, they've been working for some time now on a scanner that is to take it to take advantage of this this database they've built up of known vulnerabilities in in common programs they have a database of tens of thousands of program signatures so for example when i ran it on my own main machine this was my this is this quad core monster that i had just set up it found um seven different problems it notified me that the version of opera that i had installed was 9.26 that there was a known vulnerability in 9.26 and that 9.27 was available it found an old version of upx that's the ex- the executable compressor that i've been using to squeeze the the air out of my windows xes just to make them smaller because the 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 portable executable format pe format that the microsoft developed for windows is just incredibly inefficient it just got huge blocks of of unused space in it so upx compresses well i had version 1.2 it was working just fine but the secunia psi scanner told me that there was version 3.02 available so it's like oh cool i didn't know that i mean i would have never known that unless i unless something had you know got me to get up and and go check manually I also learned, although I had just installed the current version of Wireshark, which right. is the renamed version of Ethereal, the you know the very nice open source free um, packet capture and and display utility, I had version zero point nine nine point eight point zero. I didn't even know it had gone to version one, but this PSI scanner knew, and I had j- just again like a week before. 
I had downloaded a copy of WGET, which is the little command line utility. It's a really nice GNU utility uh, that allows you to grab, you know, web resources. Um, it's sort of like, you know, right-clicking and doing save as right. in your browser, but there are often plot times where, you know, you're not able to do that. And WGET uh, does restartable downloads. It has a, it's, a, it's just packed with features. Anyway, the one I had had a security vulnerability that was known, and the PSI scanner knew about it. Wow. So, so I mean, I, I so am, that's what it's getting. When you said it phones home, it's going out and it's saying, okay, I see Steve has WGET. Let me see if there are any vulnerabilities. That has to be updated all the time, so that has to be local to the Secunia servers. Yes. Now, so, so okay. So what it does is, and again, it is it is lightweight. It does not sit here and stomp all over your machine. I mean, that's why I'm not installing any semantic stuff or McAfee stuff because these things are they're huge yeah. and they just muck up everything. So this thing is very small and well behaved. It does put itself in under in in the start menu, and it's it's happy. To run in your tray. Well, again, I'm not somebody who's got 85 processes running all the time. So it's like, okay, I've, I, del- I gently took it out of my under my startup group because I don't want it running all the time. I'll run it when I want to just do a check. But w- when you run it, even then, it's very well behaved. It doesn't saturate your machine. I, 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 it was using like 5% of one of my processors. So I was like, okay, that, I mean, this is a, an impressive piece of work. So it runs through, it looks at every executable DLL and ActiveX control. It generates a fingerprint of it to, and for example, on one machine, I had 85 executable things. And it then... And you were complaining about your friend. (laughs) No, 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 not running. Oh, I see. Executables available. I get it. Exactly. On the hard drive. Totally, total account installed on the hard drive. That's nothing. I know. And so it, um, it found those... That, well, those were things that it knew it knew about because it so it does download it downloads something ahead of time and, and it shows you what it's doing. So and you can sort of see the progress as it goes along. It's downloading some updated something or others. Then it scans. And after that, apparently it it, it and it, everything is over HTTPS. So it sets up SSL connections to their their servers and it then checks to see for the information that it then needs to download to show you what it knows about these programs. And my point is that it's what what you end up getting, in my opinion, is worth that trade-off because you don't just get something that says, oops, you've got a problem. And the reason I'm I'm so stoked about this is, is what you get is so comprehensive. For every single thing, they've got what they call their toolbox – a download solution button, a solution wizard. You can rescan the program, uh, get online references, technical details, open the folder where it resides on your machine. You can tell this you want to ignore that from in, in, in the future, or it just has a little quick link to add remove programs if you just want to go there in order to remove it. So, so with all this information, when you when you expand it. It shows you links to the manufacturer's most recent version. I mean, I guess my point is that they. This is so much more than just oh, you've got some problems. It will it'll t- take anyone through the process of of deciding if this is a problem for them, and and helping you. For example, the the the, the solution wizard in one case was a little a little pop-up dialogue that just sort of took me through removing, downloading, and reinstalling an updated version. 
So, I mean, it's very easy to use also. I'm, I'm really impressed with these guys. Is it, is it essentially just uh, looking for applications with known security flaws, or does it also look at other parts of your machine and say, here, there's a flaw here, there's a flaw here? Um, no, it's just applications just application. with known flaws. It does have access to Microsoft's Windows Update database. That's one of the things it needs is is to be able to contact Microsoft because it's a so it's it's checking the Windows components versus Microsoft's Windows Update right. database. Um, but it's it's not it's not checking your apps for for unknown vulnerabilities. Basically, it, it's a it's a very sophisticated version management system and it's not checking apps that don't have problems and so it's not just it's not going to tell you that you know winzip there's a newer version of that it's not trying to do that it's saying the version of winzip you have has a known vulnerability i mean like known to the world not just known to these guys because they've got a, a team of people that are that are looking at you know they're in the mailing lists and blogs and reading all the security um, vulnerabilities and this is free. They have a commercial version that they called NSI, um, which is their their network operable solution. And I think they charge thirty dollars per thirty dollars US twenty euro per workstation per year. That's not bad. So, so in a corporate environment, this allows you either with or without something running on the client side. It it, it allows a like like a central panel to to keep track of all of the machines within an environment and make sure that there are no known sec- insecure um, problems on in the apps of any of those machines. It doesn't sit and run in the background all the time, though. Unlike uh, Norton or McAfee, it, it, it you just run it whenever you feel like it. it's a scanner that you run on demand. Well, that's how I run it. It does, as I said, it does put itself in the startup group. So oh, sorry. It, yeah. it, it would like to be sitting there and like checking in the background. I don't know how often it checks, maybe daily or something. There's tons of settings. It, all, it also shows you not only what, where your insecurities are, it shows you end-of-life um, products. I had, um, uh, uh, oh, it, it was UPX. I just clicked the end-of-life tab and got myself sidetracked here. Yeah, um, uh, because this UPX version 1, they, they flagged it as end of life, and it'll show you a list of all the programs that you have and the versions that it detected and whether they've been patched. So like patch things, things that have had known problems and were then fixed, it found three instances of my of, of Adobe Flash um, or you know Macromedia Flash that were known. And, and I said, wait a minute, three? That there was a general plugin, an ActiveX control, and an Opera plugin, and they were all older, even though my machine was only like two weeks old, mm. and there were known problems with them. Wow. So, so anyway, wow. I, I, I just want to, I recommend this. Um, we've got the links on my show notes. I'm sure you'll have them on yours, Leo. You bet. Um, but it's anyone- psi.secunia.com. Yes, um, or if you just put into Google, Secunia, S-E-C-U-N-I-A space P-S-I. It'll, it's the first link that comes up, and, and, and as you said, the URL is psi.secunia.com that takes you to the page. It is completely free um, for personal use, or they do have the um, corporate use solution as well. I think 
I mean, I know our listeners. I have a sense for who they are from all the great feedback that we get. I am really impressed with this. I mean, this is something I'm running on, and I have run on all of my machines. There isn't a single machine where there wasn't something I didn't know. And, you know, our listeners are people who want to know. Um, this will tell them. You know, I uh, uh, the other uh, question somebody had from uh, the chat room, Selfish Man asked, uh, 64-bit uh, Windows applications. He said uh, it seems to have some trouble with those. Is that the case? Ooh, that's out of my experience. That's okay. I'm not over in 64-bit land, but right. I could certainly believe I would be it. surprised. <clears throat> I mean, that seems to be a... 64-bit seems to be the... The sticking point for a lot of software. Yeah. Yeah. Um, free Secunia, S-E-C-U-N-I-A. <clears throat> we'll have links at uh, Steve's page and at my page. Um, I do want to mention, as long as we're talking security, you <laughs> you mentioned that the, our honeymoon or our anniversary couple is running in a Starro Gateway, which I thought was really cute. Uh, most of the time, people run a Starro Gateways uh, at, at the office. It's really a business UTM, Unified Threat Management Solution. But they do offer, I have to say, I commend Astaro for doing this. They offer uh, free non-commercial versions. If, you wanna, if you've want to, you got an old PC lying around, an old beige box, and you want to put Astaro on there, you could download a distribution from astaro.com slash security now. And there are even VMware appliances. In fact, they're at VMware that you can install that will run all the Astaro for you. It's actually a great way to try Astaro if you're in a non-commercial uh, place. But if you're in a business, best way to try Astaro is to actually try an Astaro Security Gateway. And you could do that absolutely free by calling 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O. Astaro is designed for business. It scales. You can get as many as 10 ASGs uh, daisy-chained along without the need of additional load balancers, so it grows as you grow. And, of course, it does everything you need. I mean, not just firewall, not just intrusion protection. You get remote access, SSL VPN. You get anti-spam, anti-phishing, dual virus protection for email. I love this transparent encryption using standards like OpenPGP and SMIME. So your your clients, your users don't even know they're getting encrypted and decrypted email and signed email. It's just automatic for them, which really enhances your corporate security. Uh, it also has complete content filtering, control for what your users are doing, uh, for instant messaging, for peer-to-peer, that kind of thing. Um, a special antivirus for the web. ASTARO.com. And while they were at... Um, the RSA conference, Astaro also announced uh, their newest web gateway, uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of a different device for, for people who want to control what's going on on the web with your users in a business. Certainly worth taking a look at the Astaro Internet Gateway, as well as the Astaro Security Gateway. ASTARO.com for your free trial Astaro Security Gateway in your office Call 877-427-8276. That's 877-4-A-S-T-A-R-O. We really thank them for their support of security now. You can go, by the way, to a Steve's site, grc.com, and get 16 kilobit versions of this show for the bandwidth impaired. Full transcripts for those who like to read along while Steve speaks, which, uh, frankly, I wish I had that luxury, but I don't, because they transcribe them after we record them. I don't think they've yet found a time machine that allows Elaine to uh, go backwards and do it. Um, but you can find all of that at grc.com as well as all the different security software Steve's written. Shields up, shoot the messenger, decombobulator. Do you, you don't still have that original anti-spyware program you wrote on there, do you? Uh, Opt-out was the original program. Opt-out. And the, it, it was so heavily linked to 
by the time I decided to that I wasn't going to pursue this the spyware issue, and I and the the adware people said, okay, we're, we'll always make a free one, and I said, okay, good. I don't want to have to do that. That's just <laughs> not my thing. Um, but it was so heavily linked to that I replaced it with something that just said. Uh, opt-out is no, no longer being maintained. Uh, you can go to the Adware people to get something that'll, you know, take care of your machine. Right, right. So it's, so it's sort of, it's sort of there. It's sort of a stub of, of opt-out is there just to let people know where they should look. Yeah. You never get rid of this stuff. Well, click the, click a death programs there, isn't it? Yeah. Tip, uh, trouble in paradise. Tip. That was it. TIP. Yep. I mean, I imagine somewhere there's somebody with a zip drive. <laughs> oh, I mean, if they, if, and if they still got a zip drive, they they definitely need some some salvation from the trouble of the the click of death. They may well have it. Click of death. Exactly. Oh, I'll never forget that. That's when we first yep. met. That, that must. Fun. You know, last week was the 10th anniversary of ZDTV, um, of our launch in May 11th, 1998. And so you wow. and you must have been on in the first couple of years, I would guess. I guess it was, it was, you know, it Maybe was 2000 thereabouts. First time we met. Yeah. Yep. It was Kate, no, cause Kate was still on when you came in. Actually, Kate, I'll never forget this. It was so fun because I'd been on several times talking about hard drives and click of death and so forth. And, you know, and I mean, you had known of me. I had, we had oh, known yeah. of each other. I read your for, column for years. Right. And, uh, and it was Kate who found shields up. And, and so in, during the show, they had like a Kate's Picks or a, a Kate's right. Discoveries or something. Right. And she says, and I found this really cool, really cool, you know, security testing thing called Shields Up from Steve Gibson. And you were sort of like, what? Our Steve Gibson? You know, <laughs> I thought he was a hard drive guy. <laughs> well, I, I, thanks to Ice Strike in our chat room who's watching on the live. We, you know, we stream these shows live now at twitlive.tv. Ice Strike said... You were first on the screensavers June 17th, 1998. <laughs> so, Steve, our friendship is almost 10 years old now. Whoa, that's very cool. That's cool, isn't it? I like that. Thank you, Ice Strike, for looking that up. So 10 years later, and we're still talking about security, not about zip drives anymore. Those nope. are 100 megabyte drives. You can now, you know, in your cereal box, you'll get 128 megabytes for free. And you can buy 3 gigabyte uh, or 4 gigabyte uh, flash drives for like less than one disc would have cost you in those days. Yeah, point one gig point is one the point one gig was the zip drive. So whoa. <laughs> I love it. Steve Gibson, yeah. thanks so much for joining me. GRC.com. Go there too to get SpinRight, the finest disc recovery maintenance utility in the world. I'll be using it when Andy Dawn comes up on Friday. And <laughs> and we and we should remind people that uh, next week will be a Q&A yes. uh, episode. And to go to grc.com slash feedback in order to send me stuff, uh, which I'll read um, and uh, we'll talk about. Great. Steve, thanks for talking to us. And uh, we'll see you next time on Security Now. Okay, cool. Security Now.